Lord, we thank you for the good things that you... Um, well, first of all, we thank you for your goodness toward us, Lord. Thank you for that theme that developed during worship. We thank you, God, the way when, when we trust you and give you control. Lord, it seems like you speak a, a, a unified word to us, God. And we thank you for the word of your goodness that streamed out to us, Lord. And God, I pray for all of us in this room, God, if we, for whatever reason, have trouble receiving that word, Lord, we pray you would open our hearts and we would truly, deep down in the depth of our spirits, Lord, we would receive the fact of your goodness toward us, God. Thank you, Lord. And also, thank you for all you allow us to do to extend your kingdom and for what you're going to do with this money that's been given at this service, the next and Sunday night, God, thank you that we can extend your hands and feet into our communities, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Ah, and Lord, we thank you for the offering that we will give now. We thank you that we can give it, and we give it joyfully, God. We give it hilariously. We give you money, Lord, that you've given to us, God. You only asked for 10% back, God. And we, we, uh, we thank you that that funds your kingdom, and we ask you to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, folks. Well, today we're going to be talking about um, who we are. This is a short series on the, the fundamental values of the Barn Vineyard Church. And what we've done is taken the four parts of our vision that we developed, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, uh, I think when we first joined the vineyard, uh, we developed um, a new vision statement, and the parts of the vision statement are encountering God, number one, nurturing community, transforming lives, and living the adventure. There will be a quiz. What's the first one? Encountering God. Encountering God. That has always got to be first. That's the first thing that we love to do around here. And whenever we gather, we love to do that. We love to invite God to encounter us, and we want to draw near to him and encounter him. Because it's in that connection. You're going to see today that the teaching I'm going to give today, which is on the third value that I mentioned, which is transforming lives. Um, you're going to see how that, that, that relates directly to the first value. In fact, all that we do here at the church relates to that first value value of having an encounter with the living God. Um, the molding presence of the Lord, the reason that's in a quote there, is that uh, we had a prophet of God, wasn't Steve, it was some guy younger. I didn't know I was a youth. That's, that's cool, man. I'm a youth. And that means I'll always be a youth, because I'm always younger than you. Wow. I love it. So anyway, this prophet guy came to our church, I don't know, maybe 1994, 95, and um, he really released God's presence among us. And one of the things he said about this particular church, the barn, wasn't a vineyard at that time, but we were just, um, uh, Newark Christian Community was our name at that point. And he said that we had here the molding presence of the Lord operating in the power of the Spirit. So there was something about being in the atmosphere of this particular planting of God that shaped people who entered into us, shaped us into um, 
the image of the Lord, and more, more into Christ-likeness. Now, ideally, of course, all churches should do that. But I think he was pointing out that there was something about the presence of, of the Lord, the manifest presence of the Lord, that atmospheric feeling of, of the warmth and that kind of weightiness of God's presence that, that we, we recognize as being God. That, that because that presence was here in abundance, there was a shaping power that was occurring. And I'm having trouble with this thing. Hold on a second. Okay. Um, so, <clears throat> going to be talking about transforming lives. And uh, that, that term, transforming lives, can have two meanings. Number one, it can mean that our lives here, those of us part of the body, and when we, when we gather, if you're a visitor here, then you're, you're part of us at least for today. And so there is, on the part of us as individuals, there is a transformation that God does if we're part of this body. So there's, a, there's, a, there's fundamentally a spiritual transformation that happens within us. It's an internal thing. And then transforming lives is what happens to us, and then transforming lives, second meaning, is what happens through us. So that as Christ transforms us, then the Christ in us flows out of us in a multitude of ways and touches other lives and transforms them. So today, this is actually a two-part teaching on the second value that we're talking about, or third value, actually. Um, we talked about nurturing community and encountering God. This is the third one, transforming lives. So we, we're going to be talking this Sunday about the, this first aspect of transforming lives. And the next Sunday, we're going to be talking about how God's power through us transforms other lives and how that is supposed to extend and how it does extend into the environments around us, okay? Now, so this issue that I'm going to be tackling today has to do with God's transforming work in us. Now, some of what I'm going to be doing is just plain, ordinary, biblical, doctrinal teaching. In other words, I'm going to be educating you to some degree about how God operates within us and operates within all Christians to bring about this transformation. I'm going to show it to you in the Bible. We're going, to, we're going to go through how this operates in the internal parts of us and how that flows out actually into our future and beyond for us as individuals. So there's a little bit of doctrinal teaching that's going to happen today, but I think, I think it'll thrill you. I really do. You know, doctrine from the Bible doesn't have to be dry. It doesn't have to be dead at all. Because it's filled with God's truth. And so I think you're going to enjoy that. Now, this issue of being transformed by God at the individual level, it has a beginning point. It has an initiation point. It has an origin. And in the Bible, this is called, by many terms, it's called being born from above, being born again. It's called, it's called receiving Christ. It's called turning to the Lord. It's called coming out of darkness into light. 
So we can go on and on and on. There are variety, there's a wide variety of ways in which this fundamental experience that goes on inside of us when Jesus grabs a hold of our lives and, and begins to transform us, then this has this initial ignition point. And, you know, there are at least three very major figures in the history of Christianity whose initial coming into Christ, this point of the beginning of transformation, has been recorded and um, um, it's very dramatic. The first one is the conversion of Saul. The second one is the conversion of Augustine. And the third one is the conversion of John Wesley. Now, all three of these men of God had amazing influence on the church and the history of the development of the kingdom of God. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to focus in on something that is going to kind of cause us to dive into this issue of of this personal transformation that, that comes when we, when we are brought into Christ initially. Because this powerful encounter, you could call it a power encounter, this powerful encounter particularly was evident in the, uh, the life of Saul, who became the great Apostle Paul. So let's turn to the slide, please. Next slide, please. And this is the account of this conversion experience. As Saul was approaching Damascus on the mission to capture Christians, bring them back to Jerusalem in chains, imprison them, and kill some of them, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul said. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Interestingly enough, Saul was persecuting Christians. Jesus said, you're persecuting me. There's the identity of the church with the Lord. Now, get up and go into the city of Damascus and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but they saw no one. This is very interesting when there are supernatural encounters between the divine being and human beings in Scripture. Often, those who witness that do not understand intelligibly what is being said to the person who's being encountered by the Lord. They hear something, but they almost always don't see anything and they can't understand what they hear. But the person who's being spoken to by the Lord does understand. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. Okay, let's do a a clip. This is from a great movie series called A.D. Any of you ever see any of that? It was on on television. And this is a dramatic reenactment of this. And I think it's great. Let it sink into your heart. Saul. Saul. Why 
do you persecute me? Who are you? I am Jesus, whom you persecute. That was a conversion, that was an, in, an initiation of the transformation process that truly, truly, truly changed Christian history. Paul was a, a man who had the equivalent of, I think, three or four PhDs, the ancient world, brilliant man. God grabbed hold of him and transformed his life and used that brilliant spiritual mind to to uh, receive from, from God uh, probably 70% of, of the revelation of the New Testament that we have today. So this was powerful. I want you to notice that light, the power of light in this dramatic reenactment and in the scripture itself, the coming of heavenly light, you know, it, it wouldn't be possible on a video it wouldn't, to, to reveal the dazzling power of the light that was the light Jesus was standing in that was actually radiating out from his being. Um, in another passage, there are three passages in the New Testament that refer to this conversion. Paul talks about his conversion. This was one of the primary ways he preached the gospel by talking about this very thing that we just saw on video and he talks about in one place he says that a a, a light from heaven brighter than the sun so the sun is blinding and so if you look straight into it it's blinding light and so a kind of light a dimension of light a, a form of light greater than earthly light was what was what Saul was seeing and that light blinded him but caused him to be able to see. So the blindness he experienced was then lifted later on. We find out after, after he goes to Damascus, he's blind and he's fasting for three days. Ananias comes to him, a disciple of the Lord, lays hands on him, and something, the scripture says, like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he was able to see. And then that began this brand new life. So that was the point of origin of this incredible transformation. So this is what I'm going to do today. I'm going to talk quickly about three questions concerning 
transformation and transforming lives at the personal level. What is biblical transformation? What in us is transformed when this happens to us, and how does that transformation happen? Okay, so let's turn to the next slide, please. Well, this is it right here, isn't it? What is transformation? It's a biblical word. It's a Greek word, metamorphou. It means to shape or form according to something. So biblically, to be transformed, and the word transfigure is exactly the same Greek word. So the transfiguration of Jesus when he was up on the mountain, and Moses and Elijah appeared to him, and Jesus at that point was radiating that heavenly light that we saw depicted here in the video. And Peter and John James saw that, then uh, we, this, this is actually a transfiguration, could be translated a transformation, is to be changed from one form into another form that is patterned after something else. So something that is as yet unmanifested in the earthly realm is what is it, 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 this change from who we have been to who we are going to be. And so there's a, a, a change of form, a change of nature, a change of design in us. There are a couple scriptures that talk about this. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed, shaped along with that word means, to this world, this age or this culture, but be transformed. And the way that Greek word is constructed, the verb itself means, but be continually being reshaped by the renewing of your mind. So this word transformation occurs here in this verse, and we're to be transformed from the way we have been being conformed to the age around us, the, the way the age thinks, the way the world acts, the way the world believes, we're to be transformed away from that into the, uh, the, the, some other thing. Now, we're not told in the scripture what that other thing is right there, but by the renewing of the mind. Now, this, this renewal of the mind is the primary way in which this transformation takes place. So I want to talk about that for a minute because however we're transformed, today we're talking about this internal spiritual transformation that will then radiate out from us actually throughout the entire world and throughout the entire universe. This is, this is the extent of the transformation. But we're going to be talking about that next week. Now here is there are some scriptures that have to do with the renewal of the mind. Now first of all, let me say something about the renewal of the mind. When I was a new Christian, I was told that we had to renew our minds in order to be transformed. So that truth was in my life, but I was told primarily that the way this happens is that our understanding needs to be changed over primarily as we read the scripture. Now reading the scripture and absorbing the truth in the scripture is certainly a very important thing to do. And it is, in fact, a way that God does bring transformation. But I think that Paul, who's written these verses, the same Paul who experienced this dynamic conversion. By the way, this, this dynamic conversion is not the only way that initial transformation happens. If you look at the other disciples who were called outside of Paul, the ones who were called initially by Jesus, he just went up to them and he said to them, he called them and he said, follow me. And there are so many people in the world who simply hear the voice of God in the midst of a desperate circumstance, usually, and that voice says, come follow me. And so they obey him. And there are others who come to the Lord by being raised up in a Christian family like Timothy. 
So Timothy, the scripture says, was born to a Christian family and grew up and was shaped by the scriptures throughout his entire life. And so, you know, when did he come to the Lord? Maybe there was no one distinct point in time, like happened to Saul, that that Timothy came to the Lord. But in a way, he kind of gradually grew into the fullness of embracing Jesus Christ. So there are many different ways for this. But Paul, the one who experienced this dramatic heavenly light pouring into his life, so much so that it blinded him, he's the one who said that the renewal of your mind is the way in which this transformation starts in us and then is carried out by God through us. But look what he says here. In Ephesians 4, 23, there's a very interesting phrase. This is actually in what Paul wrote, but it's, but it's interesting. Be renewed, the same word. Renew simply means make new. So the transformation happens when we are made into new creations initially. So that starts in time. So this making new. Man, I remember when I was encountered by the Lord, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, I don't have time, but you've heard this before. When I encountered the Lord, or rather, rather when the Lord rescued me, man, he, he, he came into my, my life and he, 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 he broke me out of this horrible place I was in in my life in an instant of time. And I can remember standing up, no one was in the room, and I said, wow, I am brand new. And I had no idea, it's a long story, strange, but I, had, I didn't have context or language to know that that was God, the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ who did that. All I knew is that I was brand new. I felt it, I experienced it, I breathed it, and that's that newness that comes into the life of those who, who encounter Jesus Christ. But the spirit of your mind is a deeper thing. It's hard to know precisely what Paul meant by that phrase, in the spirit of your mind you're made new. But somehow, the spirit of something is deeper within it. It's kind of down in the center of it. So it's not just the place of your your thoughts that are flowing through your brain. I believe it's something deeper in our consciousness, deeper in our self. And really, this is the, the, the language here kind of expands itself in, in Colossians 3.10. The new self who is being renewed. So we find it starts with the mind, then it goes into the spirit of the mind, the deepest parts of us, and then it's our whole new self who's being renewed according to the true knowledge of the image of the one who created him. So expanded from mind into new self. So there's something deep within us that's gripped. And this final verse here, I love it. Titus 3, 5 says, he saved us by the renewing by the Holy Spirit. So the agent of power that's responsible for making us new is the Holy Spirit of God. Because man, we need that kind of power. And look at Saul. Look at Saul. What happened is that he needed that kind of massive power infusion. His mind was darkened. His soul was dead. His heart was stony. And he needed this incredible power by the, by, uh, by the presence of the resurrected, risen, glorious body, Jesus Christ. And his power hit him. And it was incredible and he was made new. Let's go to the next slide. This is an expansion of this. 
Their minds were darkened. Before people know Jesus, our minds are darkened. Notice the images again of darkness and light. As I was studying through this, I came across a commentary where it was said something to the effect that the entire theology and the entire presentation and understanding of God that Saul, who became Paul, developed and embedded it in the New Testament is the product of that powerful conversion experience on the road to Damascus. And I believe it. I believe it. See, he'd been dealing with ideas. Then he met a living person. And it's so different. And the the encounter with God, the encounter with the living God, is what transformed Paul. Minds were darkened until this very day at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted in the minds of the, of the Jewish people who were only under the Old Covenant and hadn't received the New Covenant in Christ because that veil is removed in Christ. To this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. So notice here, it's not just their minds that are darkened, but the darkened minds also veil over a, a, a hardened heart. And that heart is what, what needs to be transformed. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, there's the conversion language. That veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. But we all with unveiled faces, seeing and reflecting the glory of the Lord, are being transformed, there's that word again, into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. I'm going quickly now. I could stop and I could get into this stuff, but I need to go on. In whose case... Those who are perishing, the God of this world. Now Paul goes into another dimension to explain how those who haven't known Christ now come to know Christ. And the first thing he says is those who don't know Christ, there is a blinding demonic power over their minds. And those of you who have tried to witness to people who don't yet know Jesus, you can see that demonic power blinding their minds It will shift the thoughts of the people. It will cause them to be able not to understand you. They'll shake their heads. I I don't don't understand what you're meaning. I I don't don't think that. And so, you know, there, there is a power that's operating in those who don't believe yet. That's why when we are sharing our faith in any context, we need to pray in authority for the power of the enemy to be broken over the people that we're witnessing to. This is very important. Why? Because the God of this world has blinded their minds so that they might not see the light. Notice that light again. The power of this heavenly light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God for God who said, light shall shine out of darkness. That's his conversion. The commentators who comment on this particular scripture right here are all unified in saying that in Paul's mind, when he's writing it, he is thinking about his Damascus Road conversion experience. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Now, I want to make one final point, and then I want Jeff to come up. And that is that, how are we transformed? How was Paul transformed. Was he transformed by an idea? Was he transformed by an argument? 
Was he transformed because he put two and two together and ended up with a conclusion? He was transformed by a dynamic encounter with the living God. I got something I want to read to you. Because that's how we're transformed. And I want to drive this home. Why do we, in this church, spend so much time in worship? Why? Because worship gets us into a place where we encounter God in his living light and in his power and his truth. And prophecy comes forth and and all of a sudden we become aware that the room changes because God has come. And that's why we keep coming back. And that's what changes us. Because the glory of God is God himself in his presence radiating that heavenly light. And whether it's as seeable as what happened with Saul or whether it's not seeable but it's feelable, man, the cells of your body vibrate with the power of God. And that's why we're here. That's why we love this. That's why we've made this church so experiencing God-oriented. I want to read you something, and then Jeff, come on up. Listen to this. This is a quote. I love it. Conversion and transformation are brought about not by putting two and two together and making the right decision, but by an encounter with the living God. That's right in a commentary. You don't see that written too many places, but that's the truth. And that's how we are transformed. You guys want to be transformed and become more and more like Jesus Christ? Keep encountering God. Go to Holy Spirit meetings. Come to worship meetings. Encounter God in so many different ways. You can encounter God in scripture. You can encounter God in fellowship. You can encounter God in in, in personal prayer. You can encounter God when somebody prophesies over you and you feel the power of God streaming into your life. There's so many ways. But never, never, never absent yourself from encountering the power of the living Jesus. Amen. All right. Jeff is now going to do something that's impossible for him. He, okay. He is going to share the encounter of God in his life. And I've given him five minutes, and I'm going to come up, and I'm going to sidle right next to him. Go for it, man. Go for it, man. Bruce, you keep stealing my punchline. Oh, Hello, I'm Jeff Chalfont, and I was asked to briefly share my story of salvation. Yeah. July, three years ago, I was in trouble. I was in drunken isolation. I had failed in marriage to my best client of 2005 and 2006. I was failing financially, no longer getting repeat business from my construction clients. My self-image was of an airplane going down in flames, wings falling off, like ground coming up. Self-medicating, stoned for 42 years, estranged from dysfunctional family. Every day was the same except for Fridays, because Fridays there were bottles rolling around under my car seat instead of cans. One Saturday, a friend came to my house to share some info she was excited about. 
And on her way out, she pointed to the beer cans, the beer bottles on my counter and said, what's that about? You should come to this church we've started going to because my daughter really likes it. The next day, they picked me up and brought me here. I was brought here by three generations of the Bowman family. I was glad I didn't know anybody because it was kind of embarrassing. Everybody here was really into God and Jesus, and I felt like a tourist. (laughs) But I kept getting invited back, and the fourth week I got picked up, and in my driveway I was told, we're all getting baptized today. Have you ever been baptized? And I I said, no. And they said, well, get your bathing suit. (laughs) So after that day's sermon, there was a call for people to come up here and get prophetic word or healing prayer. And I walked up over there to the front thinking, heal my mind. And Bruce then said a prayer over me. A couple of hours later, I was in the pool at the Martin's house declaring that I accepted Jesus as my Savior and that I wanted and that I wanted to join the family of the Lord. Two days later, I woke up sober and have never looked back with, I have little doubt that I was headed for jail or death. Now I have a sense of possibilities instead of survival. And as I wrote in today's little picture thing, I have taken faith on faith and kind of feel like I've become a citizen. (laughs) The crazy thing for me was that for the next two weeks after that conversion, I'd be driving around in my truck with this big grin on my face thinking, I'm so glad my dog's not here to see this. She'd think I was nuts. It's like... (laughs) I'm going like, Jesus, I mean, like, God, I mean, I think I've been born again, you know? That's it. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. God, we thank you for Jeff's conversion, Lord. We thank you for the transformation that began and is still continuing and will not end, God, in Jeff's life. Hallelujah. Lord, we ask that there be a multitude of Jeffs in the future of this church, God. Jesus' name. And we thank you, God, from glory to glory, you're changing us. You are transforming us from the crazy ugly, evil people we were before, or even the self-righteous people we were before, into the very image of Jesus Christ. And we thank you that that's our future, and we're so happy about it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Those of you who were spoken to about a prophetic word, please come forward up here right now. Prophetic team, come forward, minister to them. Healing on my left arm.